everyone. Beth and I are so excited about today's podcast. We've brought on Doug Jennings, who is Lowe's VP of Data Analytics and Customer Insights. And he shares what Lowe's is doing to collect data, how they're using it, and how you can take these same tactics and apply it to your business to help improve not only your customer experience, but also ultimately sales. So we are thrilled to have him on the podcast. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikoloff, and we have an awesome show for you planned today. We've got Doug Jennings, who is the Vice President of Data Analytics and Customer Insights on the show with us today. So welcome to the show, Doug. Thank you, Zach and Beth. Happy to be here with you. Awesome. So why don't you just kick us off and tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we're on the show, you're actually sharing that you were at once a meteorologist. Is that right? Yes, that, that is correct. I started undergraduate studies in meteorology and finished with a four-year degree in meteorology from North Carolina State and actually worked in that field for about four years before going into a career change. That's really cool. And so what do you do at Lowe's now? So at Lowe's now, I lead, as you mentioned, our data analytics and customer insights group. And it was formed, it was a group that was formed about two years ago as we centralized a lot of the capabilities to drive uh, speed to market with data analytics and insights, speed to decision. And so we brought together several functions one of which is primary and secondary research. We brought together our trends and macroeconomics groups, big data engineering. So if you think about big data, Hadoop, data lakes, those types of things, our data science group and an advanced analytics group. So the whole point of of bringing it all together was to, to assimilate all the various data points, perspectives. And what it also allows us to do is merge what the customer is telling us through primary and secondary research with what we see customer behaviors are, whether it's in-store be purchase behavior or online browse behavior or other post-sale service activity. So how do we marry up what the customer's telling us externally with what they're actually doing? And how do we drive deeper insights that allows us to go to market in such a way where we have more appropriate product assortments at a store location? or better staffing at a store location. So it's really providing a a more holistic view versus solving individual uh, one-off analytic questions. That's a really interesting cross-section that you guys are digging into, Doug, because first, I'm nerdy and crazy excited to have you on our show because there's basically nothing in the whole world I love more than market and customer research. I could it's just there's no end to what you can figure out and just figuring out like how people work and how their brain ticks and what makes them buy and, you know, what color blue really matters and end caps. And I mean, I just love it. But you're hitting on a really intriguing part that Lowe's has actually basically gathered a team to solve, which is how people self-report in market research is so often not actually how they purchase. Is there an example you could give us of, you know, the market research or survey data said this, but then in-store and, you know, web data told us a different story? To answer that question, I'll touch on an example of post-hurricane shopping behavior and attitudes towards lows. And so we'll survey, we'll look at our sales performance after a hurricane. We'll look at our, what we sell 
demand, et cetera. And then we'll also look at it against a set of stated expectations. And then we'll go and we'll talk to the customers through customer intercepts and ask them about their experience in this particularly trying time where they're actually trying to rebuild, buy the right product, sense of urgency of getting the right product to rebuild their homes, protect their homes and and restabilize their homes and, and, and move forward in their lives. And we'll get some perspectives from the customer around product availability, associate knowledge, associate accessibility. And so they'll tell us what we're what they're seeing in the store. And we've brought that back to our data science team. And they're crunching a lot of different inputs and, 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 and data sets to say, OK, where are we seeing where can we uh, validate in our operations potential opportunities to better serve the customer with what the customer is actually saying? So we've that's a, that's an example where. Almost in real time, pretty soon after a hurricane, we look at and we'll survey our customer base to say, okay, how do we better serve you and where do we see gaps in that service? And then how do we measure that or how do we analyze that against some big data sets to really validate where we can then take action going forward? So I always look at it as the customer research at times can provide almost like that butter knife, right? Start cutting back the layers. But then when you get into that data science, which brings in massive amounts of data, it tells you where to hunt and gather a little bit more. So you mentioned a minute ago that you've got these different data sources that you're then yep. correlating and, and dissecting. How is Lowe's collecting this data? Like, how are you getting insights from customers? And then what are you matching that up against to get this kind of insight and direction for your business? Well, from a, so there's, you think about data, um, I look at it in multiple dimensions, right? There's, you got your, your first party data, your internal data, transactional data, you've got third party data, and then you've got structured versus unstructured data. So let's take it, I'll start with the internal and structured data. So we have record of your know, customer purchases, browse history, browse behavior, any interaction they might have with our call centers, contact centers, interactions they might have with uh, with a post-sale service, whether it's an installation or a delivery. So we capture a lot of that customer data. So our first step is internally, how do we capture that customer data and map it, map it to map it to orders, map it to services, map it to browse behavior. So we can get a nice holistic view of a customer. So we might have a, a 360 view of Zach Williams. So we know how to better market to Zach, how we know how better to provide the next best offer to, to, to Zach or when Zach walks into the store and he has an issue, we know his recent purchase behavior, purchase history, so we can help him. We know, we, we know where he is on a project. That's very interesting. So are you, are you looking at both online and offline in store? Are you trying to correlate all this data together to get like a better picture of your ideal customer? Or just, I mean, you might not even be an ideal customer. It could just be anybody that might be coming in your store to understand what their purchase habits and where they might be leaning towards so that you can help them upsell and actually close the sale. Yeah, correct. It's really merging the in-store or offline behavior with your online behavior. So how do we how do we map Zach? And we we know it's Zach, and we've convalidated it's Zach. And what is your browse behavior? And we know that you may have searched for something, and we match that up with your per- recent purchase behavior, and we can identify that you're actually in the middle of a kitchen remodel, and you're at the stage where you're picking tile for a backsplash. What we don't want to have happen is we know that you've purchased a refrigerator. We look at your behavior and say, okay, he might be in the middle of a kitchen remodel. He just per- If we know you just purchased a refrigerator, we don't want to send you a, 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 a direct mail or an email or, or digital uh, digital ad saying, hey, we've got 20% off refrigerators, right? Because you just bought one, right? <laughs> so we don't want to send you the wrong, the wrong marketing 
Because as a customer, you're saying, wait a second, you know I just bought a refrigerator. Why are you pushing this on me? And so it's really how do we anticipate customers' needs through data, which allows us to, you know, and, and, that, and that will please and delight a customer if we can anticipate their needs versus saying, okay, wait a second, Lowe's, um, I just bought a refrigerator from you two months ago. I don't need another one. So why are you pushing this, this, uh, this offer to me? Yeah, I'm sure that could be, there's like a fine line there of annoying the customer and coming across as very, very helpful right. in, the same, in the same vein. Yeah. I think at a, at a minimum, we, we want to try not to annoy the customer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good goal. That's a, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's a good KPI right there. Did we annoy you? And then when you think about third-party data or external data, obviously we're looking at what, what, what are people saying about Lowe's? Um, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and how do we pull the, you know, that sentiment? How do, we, how do we pull customer sentiment towards Lowe's in, in, into our data ecosystem, and how do we match that up? So it's not necessarily matching that to an individual customer. That is more of understanding almost a crowdsourcing sentiment, perspectives towards Lowe's, perspective towards brands or products or experiences, and then how do we leverage that information to better, to en- better enhance the customer experience? You talked about this a bit saying, you know, how you're using all those, you know, in-store, online, even listening to understand the customer and understand, you know, to be able to target directly to Zach. But can you share an example with us of how you've used that data to either drive sales or get a desired outcome within Lowe's? Yeah, so I'll go back to the hurricane situation. So about a year ago, year and a half ago, we had one of the one of our executives reached out to me and said, "Hey, Doug, can you tell us what we sell post hurricane?" So, if you think about a hurricane, there's some there's some products that people buy to prepare to prepare ahead of a hurricane, and then after a hurricane, depending on the type of situation, it could be a flood, it could be a wind event, or it could be a combination of a flood and wind event, which drives the products that a consumer will buy in the in the first days, weeks, months after a hurricane. If your customer has damage to your home, you're gonna you're going to start to reinforce the, the safety of the home with tarps. You're going to start to restabilize the foundation of your home, the roof, ensuring that the, the interior is protected uh, after such an event. Then as you move on towards a rebuilding phase, after you shore up the outside, you're going to move inside, right? If you had flooding, you're going to, you're going to rip up your flooring and all the way down to your subflooring, right? So then you're going to go into, okay, what's the flooring solution? Is it, is it carpet? Is it tile? Is it wood flooring? Then you move into painting, and then you move into the home decor aspects. So the question that was asked is, what's the sequencing of that? And so we actually used, we went back and looked at weather events, whether it's floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, for two decades, and matched that up against customer purchase behavior. And we're able to predict, based on the type of storm, the type of product we'll need to push to those locations, both ahead of the storm and after the storm. That's really smart. And so what we do, so when our command center gets up and running, we're able to then... We're able to then put to, to, to tell them, here's what you need to put on those trucks going to those stores. And so, the, yes, it does drive sales, but the bottom line is we're serving the customers. Because when the customers are most in need, if they need generators, if they need tarps, if they need lumber and building materials, we want to make sure that we have that for them when they need it. Absolutely. Uh, we don't want to put out a ton of flooring when we know it's a flooding event and it takes a while for the floodwaters to subside and there's a bunch of demolition that needs to happen and remediation it needs to happen of, of, of mold and water damage before you actually go into uh, laying down your new floor. So that's an example of where we've used data, large data sets, and understand consumer behaviors. And then on top of that, you layer in what they're searching for at, at a localized 
at a very local level, at a zip code level. That sounds like like the definition of predictive analytics. It's like you're studying what's happened in the past. You're studying what you know about that particular area in the U.S. and you're supplying more product to not make the customer mad, exactly, <laughs> or it, it, help it, them it, help them in their yeah, situation. It, it, it's getting the product to the stores at the right time, but it's also preparing the stores. So if you know at a certain certain type of storm that I'm making it up, but if you're like 10 to 12 weeks after. And we know that people are starting to move to in, inside the store or inside the home and starting to repair flooring, starting to repair cabinetry. We want to make sure that that product is prominently displayed. We have enough depth and breadth of inventory that the store associates know that this is the stage that customers in your zip code are at. And if you think about a storm such as a hurricane, you go across the, the cross section, going back to my meteorology days, the cross section of a hurricane that could be three, 400 miles wide the type of damage and, and the needs of a customer, a homeowner is going to be different uh, across that geography. So being able to to, to laser point uh, the solution is, is very helpful, not only to, to Lowe's, but also to the consumer. Doug, you mentioned a minute ago that you're, obvi- you're always trying to look at like the, you know, the purchase behavior of your customer. Like that's something you're always analyzing. A lot of the companies that listen to our podcast they might target the homeowner, they might target a pro, and they might target any other you know, audience in the channel. Are there things that you're trying to look at within your audience or within your data set to say, hey, we know that homeowners act this way and we collect data on them this way, and we know pros act this way and we collect data, data on them on a, on a different and a different method. Can you give any insights about how you try to collect data on different types of people that come into your store, specifically pros? The pro is a little bit more difficult to actually track. When you think about the different types of or, pro organizations, when you think about the, the large national, large national, uh, what we call national accounts that might have multiple offices, might have multiple purchasers that are uh, that folks that are actually going into the store, going into whether it's Lowe's or competitors to actually purchase the materials. And so, being able to the biggest challenge that we have that we're working on right now is how do you how do you map a parent-child relationship within within a within a, a a pro business. Uh, when you get down to to the tradesmen that are individual trades, an electrician, a plumber, it's a little bit easier for us to track to them. Uh, but we've done a lot of our work is around the is, is the upfront research, and we've done a lot of research in the last year to year and a half to really understand the pro and really understand what drives pro to shop at Lowe's or to shop at a big box. When you really get under the hood with that, it's it's really in, in some situations is it's they're brand loyal. Do you have the right mm-hmm. brands? in all situations is do you have the depth of inventory, right? I don't want to have to shop at two locations. And then the third one is, can you get, get me in and out fast? And so those are really the, the, the drivers. And so as we think about what drives the pro customer behavior, then we start to dig into what's our merchandising approach, our merchandising tactics. As we think about from a brand pers- perspective, assortment optimization perspective, what, what brands, what, what SKUs do we have in which locations based off of the demographics of a market, and then ensuring that we have the right job lot quantities in our stores for the pro, making sure that we have um, uh, the, 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 the pro areas of the store appropriately staffed, right, to ensure that they can get out, in and out quickly. And so we actually, we're actually starting to put in place, how do we measure against some of those other aspects, right? We can measure our inventory position, we can measure our breadth and depth of, of SKUs, but how do we start to measure some of those operational aspects that drive an affinity toward the pro customer, such as speed of getting in and out of the store, those types of things. 
It's really, it's really interesting. You guys have so much data. I mean, just hearing you say you looked at two decades worth of data to come up with, you know, what is needed to be pushed to what stores during major weather events. Has there been anything that has surprised you that you, as you look, maybe you look back and you're like, oh, really, the data was telling us this. We were just not seeing it or, um, you know, consumer trend, consumer behavior is changing at a faster rate. I think you're you're a better resource to say that tr- that's true or not. But has anything surprised you in consumer behavior in the last couple of years? That's a that's a good question. Consumers are changing. Nothing's necessarily surprising as to me as far as how consumers have changed over the last few years. But it is the the knowledge that a customer has when they're coming, especially when they're coming into a low store. They are coming in armed with a ton of information, a ton of research, information at their fingertips. And so the challenge for us is how do we match that? Whether it's matching that with content online or content in our associates' hands. And so the big challenge that is facing us and really a lot of retailers and a lot of, a lot of companies today is, yes, there's a lot of information. How do you parse through what data is truly important? Yeah. Right. Because you can get lost in, in in big data. Right. And people define their success metric of a big data environment is how much how many petabytes. Right. People brag. I got X amount of petabytes of data. It's really how you're using that information, how you're assimilating that information and the most critical information in real time. How do you get that in the hands of our associates, our contact center agents? Because the trend with consumers is they ha- they're not they're extremely knowledgeable as they're coming into a Lowe's store about the product about prices, about the competitor, but they're still looking for additional help when they're coming into the, into the stores. And so how do, how do we match that level of advancement in consumer knowledge when they're coming in? It's a, good, it's a great thing to leverage. And consumers, again, with the Amazon effect, they're, they're expecting convenience, mm-hmm. right? They, they wanna know, they want visibility. Um, if they're ordering something online, they want visibility to where, where items are, if they're ordering a service, such as an installation service or a, a remodel service, they want to understand all the steps of that service and understand where we are in that process. And so that's the expectation, uh, I think, compared to five to 10 years ago, where the customer was okay sort of being in the dark, so to speak, and, and really yeah. trusting. Um, but now the expectation is set that information is readily available at all times. And so you need to have that. Yeah, we that's one thing we preach all the time, Doug, is that if you're a manufacturer or if you're somebody in the building products industry, you've got to become that helpful guide to your audience, whether it's a homeowner, a consumer, or a pro, or someone else in the channel. They expect, it's not only they want it, but they're expecting you to be that guide to them, whether it's, to your point, arming people in the store or providing the information online, like so much of the research process is happening before you actually even talk to somebody. Right. And one of the things is, as we work with manufacturers and vendors, one of the things that that we work very closely with them on is product information and accuracy of product information. As we get that information from the manufacturer, from the vendor on the specs of a product on a product. And so we want to make sure that we're displaying accurately the product online. And if not, that creates a very, very poor customer experience, whether they're, they're buying it online or they're coming into the store and it's not, it's not in the store, it's not representative of what, of what they saw online or vice versa. Um, it's very frustrating because people are walking into a low store with the intent to make a purchase. 
So Doug, can you give us an example of someone you've worked with who has leveraged data effectively to see an impact on their sales? I won't give a specific example of a, of a manufacturer, but in general, the ones that, that we've seen that have leveraged data effectively are the ones that are, that are really listening to the customer, uh, that, that are doing, that have, that understand the customer, that are really on top of how the customer is evolving from a standpoint of, of how they're using products, attributes of products. Think about products where, where the actual attributes make a difference, right? Whether it's large appliances, power tools, et cetera, where customers really looking for something specific and leveraging that data, leveraging customer data and really seeking out from customers and listening to customers to really understand what they want, right? Because the last thing you want to do is put something on the shelf that the customer doesn't want. And the customer each and every day is telling you what they want, whether they're coming on on a Lowe's.com to search or whether they're going onto a manufacturer's webpage to search, they are looking for very specific items, specific attributes of an item, and they're telling you what they're looking for. And to me, the best vendors that we've worked with are, are the ones that are listening to that data. They're looking at market share data and understanding those trends and, and bringing that all together to, to really procure the right assortment um, that we need to have in our stores. So for manufacturers that are maybe struggling to understand the data or looking at it from the wrong angle, what advice would you give them if they're trying to use data more effectively to grow their business? My biggest advice, Beth, uh, to manufacturers who are looking to use data more effectively, I would, I would say two things. One is make sure you're capturing your data, storing your data, and ensuring you, have, you, you trust in the quality of your data. Right? That's, that's got to be the first step. The second step is what are the key metrics that drive your business, both from an input perspective and an output lagging perspective? A lot of folks in legacy terms of thinking about reporting and analytics really look at your lagging indicators, financial metrics. Sales is really an outcome metric, uh, a lagging indicator. And so really understanding what are the drivers of why consumers shop your brand? Why consumers shop the retailers where your brand is, is situated? Right. Understanding the barriers to why consumers uh, may or may not shop your brand or may, not, may or may not shop a retailer. Right. And then map those to your lagging indicators and then say, OK, how, how do we then overcome some of these causal drivers of the lagging indicators? So but when you think about data overall, again, I, I'd steer clear of trying to just ingest this ton of data and, and, and measure yourself based on the quantity of data, but really the quality of the data and the quality of and, and the data that you're your employees are using each and every day to make a decision relative to your business. I love that point so much because it's so easy to just look at the bottom line mm-hmm. and go, okay, how, how are we doing? But what you're saying is no, like, yes, that's important, but you need to start sooner in the buyer journey, like yeah. much earlier in the buyer journey and say, okay, what are the leading indicators in the buyer journey that are going to point to the things that we really care about, which is the bottom line. How do we focus on those beginning attributes or those beginning decisions? Focus on them, and that's going to have an impact where those in finance really care about. And to go back to your earlier example, you know, if I can imagine looking at like the summer months sales, seeing that sales are up and having the conversation of like, let's just jam all the inventory in that we can get some promotionals going, having posters and blah, 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 and completely missing the fact that it's actually the severe weather events that are driving the sales. So now you're kind of annoying your customer by having all of these 
promotional collateral everywhere instead of having somebody who is in the store cognizant of what's going on and there to meet your need, take you to the tarp section first, take you to you know the cement buckets first, and not be concerned about telling you we've got a 40% off sale on paint today because we know that there's, you know, just sales are up. So we're just pushing everything. I mean, that's like, it's such it sounds so simple when you say it. But I can totally see a conversation happening with missing that, like you were saying, those leading indicators, what's driving that need instead of just being like, oh, it's summer sales season. So let's just push it all out. Is there a a thing that Lowe's is is starting to see that there's an ability to do with the data or that you see is around the corner that you can't do yet? There, there's a there's a couple things when I think about the the next thing in data and analytics that that I foresee and there's a few things that are that are here that may not be as mature. So instead of fo- yeah, you know, I'll answer the question from maybe not what's the next best thing, but what's the thing that's going to become the best thing that's maybe already here. And the first one I'll talk about is, is shopper psychology. And so how how do we take it take academic data and translate it into shopper insights for Lowe's? And so we're starting to look at we, we've we've partnered with Ipsos and Duke University around shopper psychology and how do we how do we improve our own research met- methods uh, based on better understanding of human behavior. So a lot of our questions that we ask now are hard for customers to answer because they're more emotional when you think of a lot of our research today. And so how do we think about evolving testing methods to to be more implicit and and derived versus simple explicit questionnaires? Right and understand the shopper psychology when they're in the aisle when they're looking at a product facing and really understand really what's going to drive that decision. And so when you think about from a research perspective, moving from that more emotional to that more, that more cognitive a- approach. And then how do we train the organization on shopper psychology? You know, there's simple behavioral science principles that, that we tend to ignore. Uh, all companies tend to ignore every day. So how do we build up some of that knowledge? That's, that's, that's one area. Um, and then a second area and, and I touched on this in, in other talks that I've given is around, you know, we've talked about dot com in the past. And now we're talking about well, voice commerce with Alexa, mm-hmm. uh, Alexa, buy, buy me this. Uh, we even talked about, you know, bots now. So bots and, and having bots do product ordering, have bots kind of talk to a vendor, talk to a to a retailer, talk to a manufacturer, talk to a retailer. So how do bots, what's the role of bots and how does that make it easier for customers to consume going forward? And what's the role of bots related to items that talk to one another in the Internet of Things? And, that, and so that's kind of to me, I think that's going to be the, the most interesting opportunity for both manufacturers and retailers when you think about anticipating customers needs and delivering speed, deliver, per, delivering personalization. So I think from an opportunity standpoint, I think those two kind of offer opportunities for Lowe's. So any questions on those two? Because there's one, there's another thing that's coming up that I want to, I want to be sure to talk about that, that is a little bit different than that. That's funny. You brought up bots and I know we're, we're getting off script here, but like Beth wanted to ask you about that. And I was like, no, it's totally off topic. Don't go there. And then you just go straight for bots. And so Beth, like what, what question do you, did you have about that specifically? So Lowe's has done something really interesting in that they have very publicly embraced robotics in the store and, you know, AI as a replacement is is a hot topic across all industries. I was just wondering if there's any like data or insights that you guys have seen from the store locations that have robots in the store that are 
um, public facing. Yeah, so you know, we've, we've tested robots in the stores. We started out with um, some of our old orchard stores, you know, and some of our low stores. And a lot of, a lot of folks thinking that, that, that it's more geared toward customer facing, which, which it does could help with customer facing. But there are a lot of challenges that a retailer faces. Understanding in stock positions, is the right item on the right shelf? Is it on the right J hook, et cetera? And being able to take real-time inventory counts that's one great use case for robotics and, and robots that are that are walking around the store, right? And, and to be able to get a report saying which items are in stock, which items are out of stock, which items are misplaced. That's a great use. When I think of other things, when I think about bots, it's just text bots, right? Mm-hmm. Getting order status or being able to text a retailer to say, okay, what, if you're a clothing retailer, texting you say, okay, what specials do you have on men's jeans this week? Or do you? And it being able to... to to present to you in a text string. Okay, here's here, here here's what we have. Here's the promotions we have. Here's here's the brands that we have promoted this week, and you can kind of swipe through. Those are the types of things that I see really playing a role in, in commerce going forward. But specifically in home improvement, when you think about the different devices that help run a home, that today yeah. are seen as independent devices that don't talk to one another, um, and we're starting to see it obviously with security doorbells, cameras, et cetera. But how does your refrigerator talk to, talk to you to say, okay, hey, you know, they're, they're, it might be running, you know, a normal customer doesn't know that a refrigerator might be running uh, 80% more than it did when it was first purchased or 120% more than it was when it was first purchased. And oh, by the way, it's straining the, uh, the compressor, et cetera. So how do you, how do you get some diagnostics uh, around a product to, predict or understand that it, that it may actually go out on you or may need some, need some service. So those are the types of things I think are really interesting as we move it. forward in this space. Yeah. We just had a podcast about bots a few weeks ago and I love hearing the way that you're approaching it because it is very conversational. It's like we are trained to talk to technology now. And so I'm sure from your perspective, it's great having that technology in store because you can not only help your customer more effectively, and test that out, but you're also getting like firsthand insights directly within the store around purchase intent that maybe you didn't have before. Like you were making some assumptions about what they're looking for or problems that they have. But now that you've got a a data collection tool in store, it opens up some really interesting opportunities for you. Absolutely. And and when you think about what I mentioned, that just a one use case around inventory, that's a task that a human is doing today, right? So how do you redeploy your tasking hours to be more selling hours, which is a big thing for us as, as customers come in, you, you want to see a customer in a red vest, you, you want help. You don't want them with a scan gun, ignoring you looking at, okay, how am I scanning our inventory positions, right? So you're taking that person that's doing a task and now it's, it's interfacing with a Beth, a Zach in the aisles and, and helping you, helping you with your, with your home improvement need. I think that's a great point. Doug, I want to make sure we let you go back. You said you had a second thing to share. I want to make sure before we move on that you've gotten to all of the points that you wanted to cover. Yeah, I, th- I think the next thing, and it, it's not a, it's not a sexy topic, but a necessary topic when you're when you're talking about data, and that, and that is around customer data and, and privacy. We have mm-hmm. GDPR in, in Europe, and, and a lot of our manufacturers are also they're not just selling to the U.S. Um, they're selling in Europe. We have the California Consumer Privacy Act that was just enacted earlier this year, and so. Really, the, the big challenge that manufacturers and retailers are going to have going forward is 
is the, the, is the collection and the use and the sharing of customer data. And I really think, while it's not a next, it's a, it's a next thing, it is a next thing from a changing potentially how, how we operate and how we talk to customers, um, how, we, how we store data, how we use data going forward. And, it's, it's, and it can be somewhat disruptive to organizations that have not had to necessarily manage, be accountable to manage customer data in a more robust way that, that uh, GDPR or the CCPA is, is, is requiring companies to do. So I just throw that out there because that really changes, again, how you use data, how you apply analytics, but then also how you potentially talk to customers and so we talked about earlier, Zach, that you, know, you, you, you want to be able to, to meet customers' needs, but you don't want to be big brotherish. You don't want to be too creepy and uh, with that. So that's, that's a fine balance as we move forward because customers want to tell you more. And they, want to, they, they expect you to know them, but then there's also you know, you know, laws and regulations going in place to, to really uh, uh, that could potentially change how, the, how that happens. It's just really interesting to hear your perspective on it's not necessarily about driving sales. It's about how can you improve the customer experience? Because that's that's the long game. You know, like that's your point earlier about building brand preference. If I if I'm hearing you correctly, like that is the real goal is how do you help the customer experience? How do you build brand preference? And that's gonna have impact on bottom line. Right. And and yeah, and and two, it's it's how do you how do you how do you use the data and analytics in such a way to to get speed to decisions, bingo. Right? Yes, um, exactly. And, and to optimize optimization, I think of re- I think of retail as one big optimization problem to solve. Right? We don't have unlimited resources. No retailer has unlimited resources. You don't have unlimited inventory. You don't have unlimited associates in the store. You don't have unlimited marketing. If you think about just those those three constraints in and of itself, right? You don't have unlimited space. Right. And so when you think about those constraints married on top or, or, or married with changing customer behaviors and, and how consumers are, are cons- changing how they're consuming and what they're expecting. It, it behooves anyone to really have robust data and analytics programs to, um, to, to optimize, to customer experience, to operational efficiency. Yeah, that's true. And I love what you're saying because regardless of your size, whether you're Lowe's or you're a, ma- a smaller manufacturer or someone in the building materials industry, like the things you're talking about can have impact and are, are much easier to do than even five or 10 years ago, just because of the access to data and the ability of what you can do with it. Right. And, and, and you think about even from a manufacturing perspective, a lot of data they have when you think about just the manufacturing process. Right. And, they, and they've been at it for, for decades. Right. When you think about mm-hmm. um, understanding constraints within a process and how do you how do you address each constraint so you can imp- improve your throughput at the lowest cost possible. Right. It's the same way for it's the same way for retail. Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been awesome. I feel like this could be, we just continue to ask you questions. It should be like a 10 part series, <laughs> just your wealth of knowledge. Data with Doug. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. 12 part series on data integration. Doug, you and seem like a guy with right? lots of free time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd be happy to come back at some point in time. It's awesome. been fun. So if somebody wants to reach out or connect with you, Doug, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably the best way is just hit me up on LinkedIn. Just search for Doug Jennings Lowe's. You'll find me. I'll probably pop to the top. There's only one Doug Jennings at Lowe's. So hit me up through LinkedIn and we we'll, we'll, can connect and, and, and uh, I'll be happy to uh, answer any questions or, or engage in any dialogue that, that will, will help uh, all of us serve customers better. 
Well, awesome. Thanks again. And if you want more great content like this, go to vanvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.